back to Faith FM. You're on The Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. I'm about to hit you with another clue for our quiz. It is a what book am I quiz, of course. And uh, I've given you two clues already, and I'm about to give you the third clue, which is, surprisingly, another quote from this book. So we've had three quotes from this book so far. We've had the last verse, we've had one about wounds, and this is a quote as well. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord to the potter. Do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. It's crazy, isn't it? This is so obscure. Yeah, it's a, uh, like- it's a it's a great prophecy, though. It's it, You know, when you think about that 30 pieces of silver that were thrown into the house of the Lord for the potter, this is in, in like one sentence you have four different prophecies about what would happen to Jesus Christ. You have the price that he would be sold for, the value. Uh You have the kind of currency that would be used. It would be silver currency um, and silver coins. And, of course, this was prophecy was made, you know, centuries before coinage was invented. Um, You have where the coins would be thrown. They'd be thrown into the house of the Lord. And what they would be spent on, they would be spent on a potter's field. And, of course, Judas, Judas sold Jesus for 30 silver coins. When he realized what had happened, he threw them into the temple and then they were used to buy a potter's field. It was almost like that everything that the Pharisees could do and, you know, the, the Jewish leadership at that time, they were just like, fulfill prophecy, fulfill prophecy, fulfill, you know, they just, they just could not help themselves but fulfill prophecy in every you, single step. Do you reckon they knew as they were doing stuff that they were like, oh, if I do this, that'll fulfill the prophecy? Do you think they even realized? On occasions, I think they realized that it might be a bit of a bad idea, but on other occasions such as this, I think they had no idea until after it happened and suddenly people gone, you know what? You just fulfilled prophecy. And th- then they would have realized, well, oh yeah, that's right, it says that. And that. It's not like they've uh-huh. never heard it before or anything. Oh, you know, they, yeah. th- th- these guys knew their Bibles inside out, back to front and upside down. Yeah, yeah. That's. I wonder how shocked they were when they were like, oh, I became the fulfillment of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would have been a, a little bit of a case of, you know, because the next day Peter would have been preaching about this in the temple and it's like, we did it again. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe we did it again. Yeah. How is this possible that we did it again? They must have just felt so stupid. Uh, anyway, if you know the answer, do you know, I'm, I'm beginning to think, I mean, this is, this is not one of the most popular books of the Bible, but I think these clues are making it even harder. So I kind of like it. I like, kind of like it when it's not that hard of an answer, but the clues make it hard. Mm, yeah. There you go. Anyway, give, give us a call. call. If you want a copy of The Breakfast Book by Sue Rand, a really great book to start the day right and enjoy greater health and vitality, I read that off the cover, uh, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, or text. You can text us, 0491-064-669. Lyle, before we progress any further... I think we need to appease your slightly crazed wife this morning <laughs> and mention a certain train. Oh, no. <laughs> now, I talked about trains the other day. For no other reason, that trains are cool. I love but trains. But this was the world's biggest steam train ever built that has just been recommissioned and is now running again. It's very, that's, very that's cool. Ult- that's the ultimate of coolness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a train story worth telling. Yeah. Well, to be honest, most train stories are worth telling because I'm, I'm a huge train geek. Okay. But your wife is, I don't know what happened. Maybe we my did, love for train has affected her. We did live in Western Sydney for a long time. Yes. And so we did watch the beginning of the construction of the train line that goes from Schofields through to uh, Chatswood. Uh-huh. And eagerly await the completion of that because it would be so uh, cool when it was done and it's now done. 
Now that you've moved far, far away. Yes, that's yeah. right. <laughs> so and for those of you who don't know, it's a region of Sydney that was previously untouched by train tracks and now finally has a train line out there and it opened up yesterday for the first time. Was this a driverless train? I believe so. Yeah, yeah the driverless train that famously locked the, the um, passengers in for a few extra minutes there. <laughs> <laughs> Malfunction. Uh, uh, and your wife was so excited. She almost drove down yesterday. She almost did. And had I not been working, I'm not going to lie, I would have gone with her. Talking about stories. I've got one more yeah, story yeah, to share on, before we get on, into our encounter with God Bible study. Um, because this is just you know one of those, you know they, they call them instant karma stories. It's just yeah, too good not yeah, to yeah. share. Yeah, yeah. So this is about uh, Laura Whaler, who um, 4x100 uh, relay sprinter. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was um, sitting in the park the other day, um, listening to a busker who was doing some busking, and um, some some boys came along, you know, teenagers, eighteen, twenty years old, four of them, and uh, they've they've stolen the busker's bucket of money and oh. and, and took off running. <laughs> Apparently, as the story goes, she put a sandwich down, <laughs> gave them twenty meters, and caught them in fifty. <laughs> <laughs> She'd just come from the gym, so she's wearing a gym clothes and sneakers and everything. <laughs> she was ready to go. Can you imagine yeah, seeing yeah, that behind you? Yeah, you'd hear some running foot. It's like, yeah, run, we can outrun this. Oops, no. What just happened? <laughs> sprinter on my tail. Best That'd be the equivalent ever. of turning around and seeing a cheater after you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oops. Oh, that's <laughs> Apparently, funny. when she caught up to them, grabbed their money bucket and gave them a, uh, a, a well-deserved mouthful and a lot of the me- other members of the public gathered around and gave them a pretty hard time as well. Good. Good. Good gave, on you, gave, gave her a lot of support. So yeah, Go yeah, it's good to see some uh, some instant justice. Take. It yeah. just makes yeah. the heart feel good on a Monday morning to hear a story <laughs> like <does>. that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. While we're talking about losing things, um, our whole Bible study this week is about losing things. Oh, really? It is indeed. So let's go to our first Bible verse, which is found in Mark chapter twenty-two and. Mark chapter 5, I should say. That's not that Mark many chapter chapters 22. in Mark. Mark you, chapter 5 and verse 22. What have you lost recently, Lyle? Ooh, I lost my chainsaw. You, that's a huge item to lose. How do you manage Better to Better than I found that? it. Oh, okay. Where was it? I have no idea how I lost it. It ended up in my garden shed. <laughs> Uh, where it belongs? <laughs> no. I, do, I keep my chainsaw in the garage oh, and it ended up in the garden shed. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, um, it was all wrapped up nicely in rags because I had it in uh, I had it in the car. So you got to be you know change all the really dirty things, and so yeah. it was wrapped in rags yeah. because it was in the car rather than the, than the ute, and so it was kind of camouflaged. Oh, I thought there was a pile of rags there. Mm-hmm. And then the other day, I'm like, now I used that chainsaw about three months ago, and I had it in the car, and it wasn't in the car anymore. <clears throat> so there you go. Okay, uh, did you say Mark 22? No, I said Mark chapter 5 and verse 22. Okay, because I'm, like, I'm pretty sure there is no Mark I 22. I did say Mark 22, but then I corrected myself. Okay, but I was already thinking about losing things. Yes. I've recently lost an alarm clock, which oh. is not good because I've actually listed it on Gumtree for sale and people have been asking me about it. And I'm like, I put it somewhere safe. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> okay, Mark chapter 5, verse 22. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus... Jar- Jairus, Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Keep going. Verse 23, 24. fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years from constant bleeding. Okay, let's stop. 
Stop there for a moment and let's uh, focus on the story of Jairus and his daughter. What is the loss story in this in these couple of verses? This guy's losing the life of his daughter slowly. She's okay. dying. She's dying. Yeah, member of their family. Yes. All right, so we've got uh, loss of health yeah. here. And, uh, and and this is this is there's a couple of things that are significant to this story, um, and some other stories that are similar to it that we're going to look at in relationship to loss of health. But loss of health is something that we all go through at times. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, our loss of health doesn't expend, extend past the uh, the seasonal flu. Yeah, and well, hopefully we well, can avoid that one as well. Yeah, because it's been really ravaging the um, population this season. Several people have died already. Yeah, they've been getting some really. Re- I don't know about you, but I reckon flus are getting nastier. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, I don't know what the cause of that is, but I got a few conspiracy theories. But I won't go into that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have really no idea why the flus. Maybe I'm just getting older and they hit me harder. No, I don't. No, I think you're correct. I think more people are dying from the flu every year. And the last time I had the flu, I was so shocked at how bad it was. I almost took myself to hospital. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I, I I went off to the emergency room sometime for uh, flu. Yeah. Although it didn't turn out to be flu, it turned out to be something nastier than that. But they just told me, "Oh, you got the flu. Go home." So I went and told my GP, and he's like, yeah, no, you don't have the flu. You've got something really nasty going on. Oh, I think I remember that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. anyway, where we are, experiencing a let's go of down health. to verse 35 to 43. 35 to, finish off this story. to, thir- 30, 35 to 33, do you want me to read backwards? Yes. <laughs> 35 to 43. Okay. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jarius, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. This is beautiful. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. Okay, there it is. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So while they're away, what's happened to this little girl? She's died. It's tragic, isn't it? Yeah. It's really, really horrific. Did they dwaddle or something and now she's lost? Uh, they were delayed, yes. Okay. They were delayed by a woman who was also ill. But her story of, he- story of healing is a different kind of story of healing to this one. All right, so he, he you know, and, 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 and this is the, the, the challenge that, that you face in that kind of a culture where a, a death and a funeral, people find closure through the amount of energy that they put into mourning. Um, and so, you know, you would have the house would be full of whalers, basically. Uh, there are some cultures today that are similar to that culture where when somebody dies, you actually hire people to be whalers. You still do that today. There yeah. are people, people who are professional whalers. That's mm-hmm. what they do for a living. It'd be a very, very discouraging job, I would think. Yeah, it's funny. When I was in Kenya, I uh, was reading a local newspaper and there was an article about um, – a businessman who owned a whaling company and he had employees underneath him, um, you know, lots of female whalers, uh, and he was looking into expanding into other countries and he was thinking of ways to promote the use of whalers at, at funerals in cultures where it's not that strong of a culture mm-hmm. so that, you know, he could grow his business. Yep. And it was just incredible to read this article about how he was thinking about promoting the art of whaling at a funeral. Yep. I was like, who would have thought? And within within their culture, that uh, all of that noise that goes with that 
that's how they find closure. That's how they they say goodbye. It gives them it gives them meaning, I guess. Whereas, yeah. uh, you know, we are a lot less expressive. We're kind of the opposite, where we try and hold back mm-hmm. the tears, and we feel bad if somebody does cry. Not necessarily a healthy thing to bottle it all up. But if no. you go to a funeral, you find you you, you look through uh, the audience, and and uh, in our culture, everybody's just sitting there, all bottled up. Yep, it's holding true. it back. It's true. And it's um, yeah, not a healthy, not healthy at all. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is what's happening. Um, so the the whalers, the whalers are there, and the whalers are there in force, and there's a lot of noise. Do you make your reading? So Jesus asked all the whalers to go out, which is a very, very culturally insensitive thing to do. But you really can't do things, and Jesus wants to act in this situation if there is just pure bedlam everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of commotion happening. A lot of commotion. Okay, yeah. Let's keep reading. Let's uh, read what else the Bible has to say. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead. She's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the little girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. Okay, the great Markan secret. It's, yes, it's funny. Don't tell anyone, and it ends up in the most read book in history. <laughs> <laughs> and and this, is, this is something that uh, Mark really honed in on because you know, it must have um, yeah, tickled his imagination somewhere. Every time Jesus would do one of these miracles, he would say, don't tell anyone. You know, don't tell, and they call it the Markan secret. Because, Mark? Uh, yeah, because Mark sort of, yeah, talked about it. Mark let the cat out of the bag. Well, he's um, he's writing a book about something that Jesus said not to say anything about. Okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of interesting. <laughs> but uh, it does bring out a very important lesson that the first half of Jesus' ministry. He did um, hold back on revealing a lot of these miracles, particularly the really sensational ones, such as raising the dead, uh, because ultimately when he raised Lazarus from the dead after Lazarus had been dead for four days, it ended up with his uh, execution, his ministry being finished. And of course, he didn't want to see his ministry cut short. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so with this one, he's like, don't tell everyone what you saw. It is kind of hard to... To, uh, to figure out how you keep something a secret when the house is full of mourners and you boot all the mourners out and they're all in there mourning because the child was dead and then the child walks out, they're obviously going to know that something took place. Yeah, especially because like, when you employ a, a whaler, according to this article I read, it's like a, it's like a, almost like a week-long event sometimes. Yeah. It goes for several days. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know exactly what the, uh, the culture was there in Jewish mourning culture, but I do know that it was a culture where mourning was supposed to be loud. Mm, yeah. Loud and long. Um, yeah, so an amazing story that we have here, a story that reveals the power of Jesus Christ to raise the dead. And so you've got somebody, you've got, you've got both a story of loss of health followed by loss of life. How do you think that Jairus was feeling through this? Take me for a moment through Jairus's emotions. I would say that he experienced the biggest emotional roller coaster known to mankind. To first have that—that's you know that 
I guess the sadness and the stress of having a, a sick child and then yep. hearing about the possibility of a person who could heal her and having that little glimmer of hope suddenly spark in his heart and then him deciding to act upon it and going on a bit of a quest to find the teacher and to, you know, to humble himself and ask for help and then having the teacher agree and uh, and start coming to your house and then to have him delayed. Like he must have just been like, come on, we've got to keep moving, we've got to keep moving, we're running out of time. And uh, and then to hear the news that she died and just to be plunged into absolute despair, knowing that you could have come close to healing your daughter and then not. And then, of course, having her resurrected. Just, oh. So from stress, he would my have, kid. Okay, so for all of, the, all of you who are, for, for those of you listening today who are parents, you will get this. Stress because your kid is sick. Super stress because you think your kid is going to die. Hope, a glimmer of hope that... Something might be done because Jesus is in the area. Stress because Jesus is not coming fast enough. Despair, your child has died. And, of course, blaming yourself. Why didn't I go sooner? Why didn't I push through Jesus through the crowd? If I knew that she was about to die, I would have fought that crowd tooth and nail, you know, mm-hmm. and, to, and, and physically dragged Jesus through the crowd. Um, so you go from despair to anger. Um, anger at yourself, anger at the circumstances, even anger at God. You could be very angry at God right here. Why didn't Why didn't Jesus come sooner? Why did he stop and talk in the crowd? Mm. You know, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going on. So you've got stress, hope, then stress, then despair, then anger, followed by incredible oh, joy and relief. Just elation. Just elation, yep. Yeah, I don't know how you'd go to sleep after having all of those emotions no, pumped I through think, your body. I think you would sleep like a log because you'd just be like up and down and up and down. You'd be exhausted. <laughs> I know after I have a good cry, I need a nap to sleep that off. <laughs> all that expelling of, of emotion. Oh, nap and a half for this guy. Yeah, yeah, but there's a big fair chunk, chunk of adrenaline coursing through his oh, veins absolutely. as well. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd still just, you'd just be sleeping happy. No, your little girl was back. Absolutely. Okay, let's go over to, uh, let's go, where will we go next? Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. One Matthew chapter 15. Verse. verse. Actually, no, let's not go there next. Let's go to, let's go to Psalms 22 verse 1. Let's go to Psalms 22, middle of the Bible. For those of you who might be looking for it, who are not driving a car this morning, Psalms chapter 22 and verse 1 is where we are going. Psalms spelt with a P. I don't know why they spell it with a P, but anyway, they do. Maybe somebody who's an English teacher can call us up and let us know. All right, I'm on. Yeah, I'm still getting my pages together. Uh-huh. My fingers have turned to bananas. Here we go, 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? And in the CEV it says, uh, My God, my God, why have you deserted me? Why are you so far away from me? Won't you listen to my groans and come to my rescue? Kind of sounds like the experience that somebody like Jairus would go through, wouldn't it? Yeah, at the beginning part. At the beginning part. Mm -hmm. Uh, Particularly, you know, as he goes through that stress of, you know, Jesus getting delayed in the crowd and then finding out that his daughter was dead. It's like, well, God just abandoned me. You know, he could have been here, could have made the effort. He didn't have to stop. He could have just kept going. The woman was healed. She didn't need anything more. She didn't want to be singled out. She didn't want people to be looking at her. 
She just wanted to melt away into the crowd. She could have waited until after. Yeah, she could have waited until She's after. Clearly not about to. No, die. no, no, no. She'd yeah. been living with that disease for ten years. Yeah, she was fine for a while. Um, you know, all of this would have been going through his head. Why? 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 But Jesus says, "I am the resurrection and I am the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live." And that really is the uh, the promise that we need to cling on to as Christians. All right, so our next passage is going to be in Matthew chapter 15. If you want to start turning over there, Mon, Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to read verse 22 through verse 28. But before we get there, something I want to point out is, and you'll find this in a number of stories that we're going to look at, is the importance of family members asking God for help. This is Alan Jackson, Love Lifted Me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despair and cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to, to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love Lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted. Listening to Alan Jackson, Love Lifted Me here on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz. It's still out there. It is, and I'm going to give a clue that is not a uh, quote this time. Uh, so our first non-quote clue for our What Book Am I? Are you ready for this, Lyle? Mm-hmm. Okay, let me just beautify myself so I look good on Instagram. Um, okay, hang on. Here we go. Like Haggai and Malachi, this book was written after the Jews returned from the captivity. 
Okay, so a post-captivity book, one of the that would make it one of the last books of the Old Testament. Then, oh, how about that? There's an extra clue. There is an extra clue right there. Oh, Just goodness. in case you were wondering, you're doing really well, Lyle. I'm not giving away. I don't think you've done, you haven't done it all this year. Yes, I have. This year? Mm-hmm. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't remember. You missed it. But you? Oh, was I? Oh, ah, I <laughs> you were here. I was. I gave it away and nobody picked it. Was that today? No, no, it was like a month or two back. I thought I'm not gonna I'm gonna wait another month or two before I actually mention this one. Stallywag. <laughs> what one was I it? I gave it away. I can't remember. I gave it away but and as soon as I gave away I, I got <gasps> and kept talking and you didn't pick it up and neither did any of our listeners. Well, maybe they I think did it was a, I think it was a what number a number a what number am I one? Oh, you scallywag, I can't believe it. I hear I was about to praise you about how well you'd been doing. <laughs> I take it all back. Uh, see, you need to listen closely because not on only, occasions my subconscious speaks. Not only do you give mouth. away the quiz, you actually cover up your naughtiness. I didn't. I didn't cover up my you naughtiness. Did you. You, you just did weren't too. observant. Oops. You were just lack of observance, right? There's no law that says thou shalt always confess when thou gives the, gives away the, cli- the quiz. <laughs> That's the 11th commandment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess you missed that verse. <laughs> anyway. It's not in my Bible. <laughs> Let's get back to the All right, let's read us our verse there, Mon. Uh, where were we? Matthew 15, verse what now? 22 to 28. 22 to 28 says, A Gentile woman who lived there came to him, pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus replied, It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, That's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Okay, so here you've got a woman who is a Gentile Mm -hmm. and most likely a pagan. Okay. And comes to Jesus for healing of her daughter. And Jesus turns around and calls her a dog because she's a Gentile. Does that mean that Jesus was a terribly racist person? I was going to say, it doesn't sound very nice, does it? It sounds terrible. No, no. So why do you think Jesus actually does this? Was he testing her faith? I think Jesus already knew her faith. Oh, was he teaching the disciples a lesson? He was teaching the disciples a lesson. So when when he doesn't say anything, I know. They need lesson after lesson. Okay, so Jesus begins by saying nothing, just ignoring her. Mm -hmm. And she just keeps asking. And she's not giving up. And normally uh, in that society, a Gentile would shrug their shoulders and say, okay, this is a Jewish person. They're not going to talk to me, so why should I keep bothering? Yeah. But she does not give up. She keeps on his case. And the disciples were like, look, just the disciples are like, just send her away, just get rid of her. Be gone with this woman. Because that is the natural way that a Jewish person would react in those days. And so then Jesus talks to the woman, and in his conversation, he calls her a dog. Are the disciples going to be surprised by this? Do you know what? I, I wonder if they are because it probably was the first time they've ever seen Jesus behave like this towards another human being. But I wonder at the same time. But they're that's like, because we're looking at it through our cultural eyes. Yeah. Well, 
I don't know, but probably weren't hugely surprised because it was probably what they were used to doing. Well, that's what they were yeah. thinking. That was what was in their minds. Uh-huh. That was the way they were thinking. Why would Jesus waste him, waste his energy on a Gentile dog? Mm-hmm. And she turns around and she says, yes, I'm a dog. I'm just after some crumbs. That's all. Yeah. And at that particular point, Jesus heals her daughter instantly, which he was intending to do all along. But he wanted to reveal to his disciples that he was a Gentile woman that had more faith than any of the Jewish people in Israel. Yeah. And if Jesus had not put the pressure on that woman, if he was like, yeah, sure, and Hilda, they would not have recognized that she had more faith than what they did. Mm. And this was an incredibly powerful lesson um, in relationship to the Gentiles that the Gentiles can be people of faith and the Gentiles can be greater people of faith than the, the chosen, chosen people. One. Yeah, yeah. So her, her faith is exemplified just by her coming to the throne of grace and asking for help. And, and even when Jesus insulted her, you know, she doesn't respond to that insult with despair. She doesn't lash out. She's just like, yeah, I'm a dog. I just need some crumbs. That's all. Mm. You know? This was a woman who was just not going to give up regardless of what took place and um, and had that level of faith that, that Jesus could and would do this. It wasn't that just that she believed that he could do it. She believed that he would, and that's why she didn't give up. Yeah, amazing story of faith right there and amazing story of somebody once again um, requesting on somebody else's behalf. Let's go to Job chapter 42, verse 5, while we're talking about loss of health. Loss of health is something that comes to all of us at some particular point in life. And for all of us, loss of health will one day result in loss of life. Um, and we will talk about that. There's a bit of a, a loss theme happening this week. So um, <clears throat> we need to focus on some really good promises here. But here we have the story. Job, did he lose health? Oh, yeah. Big did he get it back again? Yes, he did. He did. So he's not at the end of his life. No. But he has a massive loss of health. He loses all his possessions. He loses his health. He's lost pretty much everything. Uh, verse Job 42, verse 5, please. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. So what did Job's loss result in? For Job's experience, how did it? What? What? How did it impact his experience with God? Um, how did it impact? Yeah, how did his how did his loss of health impact his experience with God? According to this verse, well, didn't it grow his faith? Yeah. So previous to this point, he's like, I've heard about God. Yeah. He so he's like, heard about God. He believes God. But what does he say now? He's had like an experiential experience with God. Yes. Experience. <laughs> he says, he's had an now experience. I've yeah. seen you with my own eyes. Yeah. And this is a really important lesson because we often look at times of ill health as times where we're just not going to have a connection with God. You know, and, and, and of course, as a result of that, we've got lots of stories here where people ask on behalf of others who are not able to ask for themselves, yeah. People often think that Jairus' daughter was too sick. Um, the uh, the Gentile woman's daughter was too mentally ill, uh, not mentally ill, demon possessed, I should say. Um, and you know they were not able to ask on their own behalf. Mm-hmm. But when we do have the power to ask on our own behalf, sometimes we're just desperate for healing, and it's like God heal me at all costs. And sometimes that's not a great idea. 
for Job, he had an experience with God during this experience that he would not have got any other way. Paul had the same experience where he had a thorn in his flesh. He asked for he asked three times for that illness to be taken away, and God said, no, I'm not going to take it away. You're going to live with it. Uh, my grace is sufficient for you. And it was a humbling experience for him that here he could raise people from the dead, but God could not heal, would not heal him. Hezekiah was healed. It was a terrible idea. You know, it was the worst thing that ever happened to Hezekiah was healing. And so the important point here is that we place our lives in the hands of God and we accept his decision on our behalf while and when we ask for healing. This is the Downing Family Journey On Believer. Bible story as it's told Said a man named Joseph had a coat It made his brothers green with jealousy They sold him into slavery He pressed on with bravery Till he was next in line to Egypt's king Journey on, believer Keep your eyes upon the Lord to 
Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Welcome back, guys. That was the Porter's Gate, Wood and Nails here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time. Before we do, the quiz is still out there. Yes, it is rather, rather difficult quiz for a Monday morning, but I'm not apologising for nothing. You should be able to look this up and get it right. Uh, okay, clue, the last clue actually. Um, should I break this into two? Now, do it as one. I follow the book of Haggai and begin with the letter Z. Z, Z. I can't remember which is the Z one. Z, Mon. My bad, my Z. bad. Z. Let me get I, some soap and wash your mouth out. I follow the book of Haggai and begin with the letter Z. Uh, give us a call if you know what book that is and uh, we will send you the prize today. Uh, okay, and now for question of the day, Lyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me just get my little camera thing happening here so we can record you doing this and have it all on camera. So, Lyle, question has come in from a faithful listener. Uh, what is the significance of babbling in, our, in terms of our relationship with God and prayer, specifically as referenced in Matthew 6, verse 7? Okay, so this is a, uh, a passage where Jesus is talking about prayer and how we should pray. And in verse 7 it says, When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And so I've got some questions for you here, Mon. Um, should we have? Should is it appropriate to uh, do you think to 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 take a nice prayer and to write it out? Sure. What if you pray that same prayer regularly? Say you know maybe multiple times per week. Why not? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but it does say here that uh, that you know um, you know they think their prayers will be answered merely because they're repeating them again and again and again. Yeah, that does pose an interesting question. I mean, like, is it so like, I've asked you once, God, don't make me ask you again. I don't have to repeat myself here, do I? Is well, I kind of think, I kind of look at it a little bit like, uh, because here God is obviously addressing, you know, pagan religions, mm-hmm. which non-Christian religions, um, and you have prayer flags where you write a prayer on a flag and every time it flutters in the wind, you know, it sends a sends a, a prayer and then it sends another one, another one, another one. So you've got lots and lots of prayers going out. You've got prayer wheels where every time you spin it and every time it rotates, it, it sends a prayer out for you. We're not really praying those prayers, then are you? Just like spinning a wheel and flapping a flag. Yeah, you might not even know what it's, what's on it when you yeah. walk past and give it a, give it a spin. Uh, so this is, you know, this is the kind of uh, exercise that Jesus like is talking about. I feel like they've crossed the line into trying to earn whatever it is they're asking for by like... Okay, so let's think about it in a relationship because God wants to have a relationship with us. Let's say that you uh, you are married and your husband says exactly the same thing to you every single day. Um, that'd be pretty boring. Is it going to is it going to lose its meaning? Yeah, yeah, it does a bit, does it? But well, let's say that he, he wrote out something that was really nice, you know, uh, some poetry, for instance. Okay, I don't like poetry, but uh, yeah, cool. You, you kind of yeah. get the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What if he yeah. put it to music? Yeah, okay. And sang you, sang you a, uh, a love song. Orcs, but okay, I'll go with it. <laughs> but it's a little bit different, isn't it? Because yes. we have we have hymns and we have songs that are prayers. Obviously, they are prayers. Mm-hmm. And we sing them on regular occasions and we sing them word for word and it's a way of honoring God. What God is talking about here, what Jesus is talking about is not those kinds of prayers. What Jesus is talking about is your personal prayers with God where you are spending time one-on-one with God. So if we go, if we look back in the verse and read a bit of context, he's saying, he's talking about, you know, Jesus is talking about ways not to pray. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. 
That is all the reward they will ever get. And so this was part of the culture in those days. If you wanted to appear to be very pious, you would preach on a street corner and you know, ring a little bell so that everybody knows that you, preach, that you are praying. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. And so once again, like any relationship, there is a time and a place uh, if you're that kind of person who enjoys that kind of thing, for your spouse to maybe sing you a love song and maybe sing it on many different occasions, maybe even write it just for you and sing it to you you know, regularly. That's not going to be offensive. But it does not take the place of that close, personal, intimate, one-on-one conversation. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. This is what our relationship needs to be built on. This is the foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for answering that, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. If you have a question, any question, we'd love to answer it for you on air. You can remain anonymous if you like. Um, if you prefer to text us, 0491-064-669 is our number. And uh, we will keep those questions a secret and handle them delicately on air for you. Uh, but for now, we have a great song. This is Keith and Kristen Getty with the song Before I Knew You. For the work of my hands For this is the day You've given your servant I will rejoice and be glad Your great name. 
was Keith and Kristen Getty. We have come to the end of our show. We are about to give something away. That relates to our question of the day. This book is How to Pray by R.A. Torrey. It is a bestseller. This is an amazing, wonderful book. I would definitely recommend that you give us a call now because the first person to get through the phone will get this This is a bit of a classic, this one. It's free. been around for a while, eh? It's great. It needs to be around for a lot longer. Um, experiencing God through prayer, um, you know, how to pray. Uh, you know, uh, the author R.A. Torrey, he shares uh, spiritual guidelines of answered prayer in this powerful dynamic book, including praying according to God's will, praying in the spirit, hindrances to prayer, when to pray, and abiding in Christ. Uh, so this is a really wonderful book, lovely book. Uh, it's not hard to read. It's not a heavy hitter. So, you know, anyone could read this. So don't feel like it's out of your kin. Just give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is the number. It's 1-800-324-843. First person who will get a copy of this lovely book, How to Pray by R.A. Torrey. There you go. Don't forget that if you would like to study the Bible, there are lots of ways you can study the Bible. We would love to share with you uh, my Bible study course, which is called Prophetic Code. You can do that for free through the Discovery Center. Uh, 1-800-324-843. We can give us a call and we can connect you with the Discovery Center. But also, if you would like resources, maybe you'd like to start a small group in your home, you might like to uh, study the Bible with somebody else yourself then this is a great resource and there's lots of other great resources that we can provide you with if you would like to host a Bible study um, and invite your friends over to, uh, yeah, have some food and Bible study. Nothing better to do. Tell me.